welcome to the Elevate Live podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. Uh, Thank you so much for being here today. If you're a guest with us, if you're not freaked out yet, (laughs) tanks and wars and all that, but it's been a great weekend. Men, thank you so much for making it a great weekend. It was a really wonderful... So, so while you're standing, uh, I, I called an audible. For those of you who don't know what that means, it's a sports term. Uh, but as the quarterback here, uh, I changed the play because I was going to preach today. And, um, and before the first service this morning, uh, we were in my green room. And so some of our guys were in there. I said, hey, would you guys give us the room for a minute? I said, because I want to talk to Josh. And I just told Josh, I said, Josh, I'm really feeling like in my heart that I want you with me today. I want you on stage with me. I feel like he preached such a great message at the Warrior Conference. And I wanted to give you a little backstory before you're seated. Um, when, when, when they were little, Josh was about 11, Keela was about 10, and Whitney was about eight. Uh, I took them all into a studio, a professional sound studio, and I'd written this, this album for kids. And uh, Joshua, what was the name of the album? Praise Jam. Praise Jam. By Two Sisters and a Bro. Two Sisters Available and a Bro. Available on Apple Music and Spotify right now. And so it's on Apple and Spotify. Is, yeah. Now listen to this. So I take them as these little kids in a sound studio and, uh, and so we did this, recorded this album for children. So if you haven't got it for your kids, you need to get it for your kids. But I'm not here to just sell the album. But Josh, some of the songs on that album, what were they? Praise Jam. Praise Jam. So. It was the Declaration song. Yeah. So that was the one that we, that was the key one, I think. Yeah. So, so, so you had me rap, you know, little. Josh, I had little Josh uh, at 11 rapping. So, so, you can imagine. So, so, yeah, no, they're, they're, they're about to hear it, son. It's a gift. So, so listen, here's Not the thing. Has so, it. while you're standing up, while you're, it is a gift. It's been it's hidden until now. Yeah. Uh, but, but one of the songs was Praise Jam. So, how did that go? <laughs> praise Jam. This is a Praise Jam, Praise Jam. It's a bunch of white people writing this stuff, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. yes, it was. So, come on. So, come on, every nation, every tribe, and every land. All of his cre- I can't remember that one. I remember declarations. Song, okay, do though. the declarations. Okay, it? so this was the rap. This is Josh when he's 11 years old. When I first get up in the morning, sometimes I'm sleepy. I want to stay in bed. I want to close my eyes, put on a sleepy disguise, and pull the covers back over my head. But I know, I know today is special. Whether I work or whether I get to play, I put my feet on the floor and start to praise the Lord. And this is what I hear myself say. You want to sing it? This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. This is the day that the Lord so, 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 so. So here I am, their dad, Rap. doing that exact thing in the sound studio when they're all singing. What's another song? Change Your Heart. That's okay. another right, this is, Now listen, I wrote these songs for children, okay? So, 
So this is the song, Change Your Heart, Change Your Face. Here we go. Change your heart, change your face. Make your world a happier place. It's not hard, hard to do when God's for you. We're not trying to sell the album. No, but we're not. We're just having fun. Come here. Reliving Come here. the, reliving the memories. So y'all are standing with me. Yes. So just a second. Just a second longer. So why did, why did I say all that? Why did you say all that? Because <laughs> they would travel with me 40 plus weeks a year. And they would sing those songs on stage in front of thousands and thousands of people. And almost every week, 40 plus weeks a year, Keel and Whitney got the microphone in their hand. They're about to take the stage. They're about to go with it. And Josh would say, I don't want to do that. I, I, don't, I don't want to sing today. I go, okay, son. All right. It's like, but it's two sisters and bro. I said, so I guess today it'll be two sisters with no bro. So he'd sit there, his little kid. All of a sudden, his sisters walk out of stage. He goes, I hear this. Okay, I'm ready. I go, get up there, son. He go, okay. Well, you know what happened this morning? I said, Josh, I feel like you're supposed to be on stage with me today. And guess what he didn't do? He didn't go, no, Dad. I don't really want to do that. 21 years later, I've learned. Oh, I'm so happy today. My heart is better today because he says, Dad, whatever you think, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go. I'm so excited. Thank you, sir. So, y'all can be seated now. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> you have to wait till next week for me to preach. Because Josh is going to give it up today. And all I'm going to do, I already told him this. I warned him. He has a very low intrusion level. Some of you don't know what that means. How many of you like Josh if you're talking you do not like to be interrupted. Let me just see your hands. Let me, let me diagnose you. You have a low intrusion level. Josh has a low intrusion level, but I've already warned him, son, I want you to talk today, but I will be interrupting you. So don't lose your train of thought because we're going to flow together. So is that all right with everybody? Well, hey, guess what? I, uh, this, last, this last year, I got to speak in the greatest men's conference I've ever been at, um, including our own. It's better than ours. It's, it's, even though we've been doing it for 20 years, and that's honest and vulnerable and true, and it sucks to me that it's true, but it is. And it was in San Diego at C3 Church, and all of a sudden, I met this guy that, that over the last several months, we have uh, formed a friendship and you're going to understand a little bit about that in just a second here. But this week, I'll be in three different states, uh, Alabama, uh, Georgia, and Texas, doing six masterminds. And he said, hey, can I just come and hang with you a little bit and be with you? And I said, yes, I would love for you to do that. 
And so uh, I'm excited. I want, I want to introduce him to you uh, because um, he's just a wonderful, wonderful emerging global leader. And I'm prophesying that over him. And, uh, and I have the privilege of being in his life, uh, not just now, but way, way back. And I want him to tell you about it. He is, he is a former uh, NFL Super Bowl champion with the New York Giants. Don't, don't boo, because here's a, no, 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 because when he left, they, they tanked. And so, uh, but he's here today, and I want you to meet my friend Steve Weatherford. Steve, stand up. So this is Steve. And uh, so he retired three years ago, but go ahead and be seated just for a second. Some, some of them could stand up because they're diehard cowboy fans. Like, like, you know what? You're, you're an enemy of the state right now. But, uh, but just tell them a little bit about what happened at the C3 conference uh, and how we connect. Um, so I'm going to have to take them a little bit further back than that. Um, but, man, can we just... Can we just honor you for a minute? Love you, man. Um, so my story goes back 25 years, not four months. Um, but you didn't know that. Um, and I was 11 years old, and it was at Comey Baptist Church. I grew up in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, and I, my parents took me to this, this concert called The Power Team. Um, and I never got it. Yeah, there you go. Some of the kids from the 80s. And, um, and I remember going, and my parents could never afford to go to, to a pro football game, so I never saw men that were literally larger than life. Um, with their confidence, with, um, with their muscles, with their physical feats. And then I got introduced to, to Keith and the Brotherhood, and the things that they could do were just, they were awe-inspiring to me. They were real-life superheroes. And, and it felt like, a, in a weird way, like they cared about you. Um, so long story short, I was incredibly inspired, not only to lift weights and go home and try to rip my coloring books like they were phone books. In Jesus' name, you know? And taking uh, the iron coat hangers and bending them. Um, yes, I did all that thing, but I made a decision that night um, to start living my life for something bigger than other people's approval. Um, and because of your life, man, Jesus lives inside of me. Um, and so I wanna honor you with that. But the story gets so much better than that. Um, obviously, you know, he, he kind of gave you the, the Wikipedia version of my life on paper, what it looks like. I've got five kids, an amazing wife, you know, two thriving businesses, 10-year NFL career, Super Bowl champion, all these different things. And I do want to correct you because I'm not a former Super Bowl champion. I am still a Super Bowl champion. In Jesus' name! Um... But it, the story gets so much better. And I know you weren't planning on me holding your mic for five minutes, but I want to honor you properly, man. This is a 25-year exponential increase of blessings in my life, everlasting salvation, uh, an amazing marriage with a wife that loves me, five beautiful kids that actually see me and feel me. And it's because you cared about a little boy that you didn't even know was standing right there. So 25 years later, 
Thank you for that in the green shirt. I love you. Um, 25 years later, we're at the men's conference that, that Pastor Key's speaking about, and I'm sitting in the chair next to my Joshua Craft, my son. And so to see those guys on the stage, and, for, and I didn't know that he was going to be there. I just took my son on his first men's conference because he's 11 years old, and I feel like you know, he's starting to become a man. And so I'm sitting next to him, and all of a sudden, you walk up on the stage, and it took my breath away when I heard his voice because I, I felt God for the first time because of your voice, and now I'm sitting next to my 11-year-old son, and he's making the same decision that I made. Um, and it's just so powerful what you made clear to me that I could accept that was already inside of me. Um, so I just want to honor you, man. I love you. Thank you so much. And the last thing I want to say, I'm going to do to you what you do to Josh. I'm going to grab it back and I want to say one other thing. When I was 11, Jesus became my savior, but I believe that God put you back in my life for you to teach me how to make God my Lord. I love you. Thank you, buddy. I love you. Steve Weatherford, give me one more big hand. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Ah, oh, well, wow. If you live long enough, you get to see a little heaven on earth. That was heaven right there. That's how heaven's going to be. You didn't know you influenced my life, but the way you lived your life influenced my life. And now my children's, and now my children's children. Josh, what a day, man. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see When I look upon his face to the wonders of his saving grace Then he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land What a day, what a glorious day That's how we did it in old church Okay, there's today's a, a glorious day uh, There's also a whole bunch of reasons why we don't sing that song anymore <laughs> Hey uh, thank you, all Thank you all for being at, at second service, because let me tell you how this is going to go. We're not leaving any meat on the bone today. And, uh, and we're going we're gonna to get into it. We're going to dive in. And uh, so, so just, just give us a minute. You're already here. You don't care about the Cowboy game. So they're getting ready to play in 10 minutes, and y'all are going to be checking your phones. I hope you're taking notes while you're looking at the game. Whatever. <laughs> just be real. So, uh, so I'm, I'm grateful to, to be up here. I'm grateful to be obedient to my dad and to what he asked me to do. Um, oh, thank you. So, so I want to, I want to, I want to take, I want to just kind of start us off. My dad's going to jump in whenever I'm just kind of sitting here waiting for him to interrupt. Yeah. Whenever he wants. Um, so I'm going to stop being weird about it. Uh, so the title of this talk, this conversation today is I'm not blank enough. There's statements that we all make to ourselves. There's statements that we make about ourselves. One of the things in Pastor Keith's book, if you don't have your divine fingerprint, I really want to encourage you to get that, not just because he's my dad, but because that is one of the core, mess core messages of this church, of this house. And one of the, one of the chapters in there is all about life sentences. And and um, this, this kind of message when I was young, when he preached it for the first time, it changed my life because we all have life sentences that sentence our life. And so some of these sentences 
People have said to us, like, you're this way, you're that way, you're not enough, you're not smart enough, you're not whatever enough, or you're this way. And then there's some of us that we say these things to ourselves, we made up our own story. And so whatever we say about ourselves is what our life will become. Your life sentences, the sentences that you say, will sentence your life. And so one of these sentences that we say to ourselves about ourselves is I'm not blank enough. And uh, I, don't know what, I don't know what your blank is there. In the, in the book of Judges in, in the Bible, there's a story about this guy named Gideon. And in the story of Gideon, there were these people called the Israelites. And if you don't know anything about the Bible, that's okay. The Israelites are the good guys. And in this story, the Midianites are the bad guys. And the Midianites were these cruel, mean, awful people that, that invaded the Israelites' land and scared them off so bad that they, the Bible tells us that they had to hide in caves to be able to live because the Midianites were so cruel. And so we pick up this story in, in the book of Judges chapter 6, and the Bible says this, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites, the bad guys. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength that you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. So in this story, in this story in the scripture, the Bible tells us that Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. Now, I don't know when the last time was that you used a wine press or threshed wheat, but I've never done that. So here's what a threshing floor looks so like. So Josh, here's the first interruption. <laughs> to put this in perspective, there were how many Israelites? Um, well, there were, there were 32,000 in the army of Israel at that time. So, so God is speaking to him. He's saying, go towards the Israelites, or go towards the Midianites, yeah. go defeat them. They were outnumbered 450 to 1 at that point in their history. So 450 to one, and God says, I want you to go, mighty man of valor, and fight them, and when you do, I will be with you, and they will be as one, rather than you being one against 450, 450 of them, is that right? Yes, well, yeah, the ratio, yes sir. Yeah. So, so, the thresh, so this is what a threshing floor looked like in, in ancient Israel. So it was out in the open, you'd take all the wheat and the grain and you would do whatever you, whatever threshing is, this is where you would thresh it, okay? So a wine press, a wine press at that point in time looked like this. So when the Bible tells us that Gideon was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press, he was doing something that you're supposed to do out in the open at the bottom of a hole in the ground. That's not where you thresh wheat. So he's hiding beneath walls in a hole, because he's so scared of the Midianites taking his grain. And God shows up and he says, hey, you're mighty man. This dude is not mighty. 
Just like spoiler alert, I guess. He's weak. He's very scared. He is like, the definition of a mighty man, we think in our mind, is a guy that's like, yeah, I'm going to take on all comers and let's go and let's make it happen. And I'm strong and I'm going to fight. But Gideon's response is, is number one, his default is hiding. Number two, he, uh, he looks at God who's talking to him and he says, I am not a mighty man. I am the weakest. My clan is the weakest and I am the weakest in my whole family, which is the weakest in the clan. There's a reason why I'm hiding at the bottom of a wine press. And then God says this really interesting thing to Gideon that I think is like the central part of this whole story. He says, go with the strength that you have. What strength is that? There's no, there's no strength in what Gideon's doing. He's not a mighty man. He's not what we would term as a strong person. Uh, like if you look at my hands, I don't have calluses on my hands. There's a lot of reasons for that. Okay, Gideon's a guy, soft hands, right? Gideon's a guy, his fingernails look great. Hands are not only soft, but they're often clammy. Okay, you know, not, you know I'm, I'm a clammy-handed fellow, so my, my fellow brethren with the clammy hands, we know, we know how it feels to shake our hand. I was always insecure when I was in high school. We'd like circle up for prayer and be like, my hands are going to sweat. And this person is going to think I'm weird. And I'm like super nervous, but I'm not. I'm just weird and I have clammy hands. So this is Gideon. Okay, so long story short, you're going to interrupt. I'm just preparing for Here's that. a moment. Okay. So just be honest about it. How many of you have clammy hands? Is that the question? How many of you here would say, I have clammy hands, I, I know hands, I have clammy hands. Let me just see your hands. Some now, of thank us. Thank you for your thank honesty you. because you know what? Every person that raised their hand that's a clammy-handed person <laughs> is the smartest person on your is row. That, is that a... Is that a... I promise. Huh. See, you see it as scientifically proven. It is in my. The clamor your hands, the bigger your you brain. You are the smartest person in our family, and your hands are clammy. There's some kind of supernatural so correlation. This, Continue on, son. It's the sweatiest hands. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for my spiritual gift. Clam. God's given us all gifts and talents. Some of us just have sweatier hands. What is? Really, hear what he just said. About the sweaty hands, or I'm just kidding. what did God say? I don't need you to give me your excuses of why you can't, yeah, because you're not enough. Yeah. You need to know you do have strength and go in the strength that yeah. you do have. So, so long story short, in the story of Gideon, if you don't know it, God takes Gideon and he raises an army of 32,000 people. This weak dude raises an army of 32,000 people. God says, that's too many people. And he gets it down to 10,000. God's like, nah, still too many. Gets it down to 300. And Gideon and the 300 men in this story take back the entire land of Israel. Um, and that's how God used them. And so there's a statement that we make that's very similar to what Gideon says. You might not be... We don't have clans and tribes like back then. But there's a statement that we make that I think echoes the statement of Gideon, and that's I'm not whatever enough. So God creates you. There's not a person that's ever existed, that ever will exist, that does exist right now. It's not a person that God didn't create. There's not a person that God hasn't given talent and ability and skill to. 
and, and we are sitting here, God is saying, hey, go with the strength that you have. You're a mighty man, you're a mighty woman. And we're saying to ourselves, because someone told us or whatever, I'm not blank enough. And so Gideon was this guy that just totally disqualified himself. God knew who he was talking to, right? I know it's like, I know it's like silly to talk about clammy hands and stuff, but, but Gideon was a guy, he's not, he's not fighting any battles. He's threshing wheat in a wine press. And God, God, God decides to use that guy. God decides to take that guy and say, hey, mighty man, I'm gonna use you to rescue, to rescue this nation. And so this word in the, in the lexicon of our culture, there's a word called, there's a word called courage, right? And all of us, we, we define courage in like, an, like probably an individualistic way. Some people are, are uh, courageous to fight for things. Come, some people are courageous to stand for certain things, to make certain stands. Some people are, are brave in, in whatever way that they, that they happen to be brave. But the word courage comes from this Latin word, that means, that means that's core. The, the Latin, the, the root word for courage is this word core, which means, which means heart. And to be courageous for, in, in the original context of the word courage itself, to be, to be courageous means to speak your mind by telling all your heart. So I, wanna, I, wanna, I want to, if we can, I'm not asking you to be real with me. I'm not asking you to be real with the person sitting next to you. But can we just in this moment right now be real between be real between us and God about who we really are? Because there's a version of ourselves that we have we have been trying to be for a long time. While at the same time, we're saying to ourselves, I'm not whatever enough. Like in the story, even though I want people to think I'm strong, I want people to think I'm this way or I want people to think I'm that way. I really know what I'm not. So if I'm honest, if I'm honest as a person, right, I'm a very, I'm a passive dude. I'm not, I'm not aggressive. I'm, I mean, I would love to be seen as aggressive, just like every man would love to be seen as this alpha male, big deal, whatever. I'm not that guy, if I'm honest with myself. I'm, I'm afraid, I'm not like averse to conflict. I'm afraid of conflict with anybody. Even if I'm 100% in the right, I'm like, I can't sleep about it. That's how, that's how I am as a person. I get a lot of anxiety about stuff. This is like the real me. So, so what, do I, what do I say to myself? What do I say to myself? I say, I'm not strong enough. I say, I'm not like aggressive enough. Um, I, say, I say, you know, people say that I'm smart. I don't feel very smart. So I'd say, I'm not smart enough. I'm not this enough, I'm not that enough. And so I say all these things about myself. And then I also am in situations in life, for me personally, where I think I have to be a certain way. So my dad's having this heart attack and I'm like steady Eddie, at least I try to present myself that way. Like what I always say is, hey, I'm gonna emotionally, I stay at a five and I'll go up to a seven or down to a three, but I'm not really prone to flights of fancy emotionally. Um, that's kind of a lie. So. <laughs> I'm just better at being emotionless than other people externally. But I'm like, so like people in my life have said, man, you bring so much peace to a situation. I'm like jacked up on the inside. <laughs> so another statement that I would make to myself is I'm not peaceful enough. And so my dad's having this heart attack, you know, and I'm, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, right? 
could die, could be in the process of dying. I'm hearing that he's having a heart attack. I'm nine hours away. We got to drive the whole deal. And I'm like messed up, right? But at the same time, no one put this pressure on me. I put it on myself. Like I got to be like I'm the man now. Like I'm the craft man right now. My dad's on his back and he can't, he can't be that. And I need to be the rock for our family. But can I just like tell you how much I, I, am, I was not the rock and am not the rock and do not feel like I'm the rock, but I felt like everyone around me needed me to be that, but I didn't even in that, in that moment or in that situation in my life, I didn't even know how to be that. It's like we're driving, you know, and I'm just like exhibiting all kinds of whatever, anxiety behaviors. And Courtney, my wife, looks over at me and she goes, you're not, you're not doing that great. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm just like planning, you know, like if my dad died, I, I, you know, we just figured out, we just figured out. It's fine. Like God's got him. I'm saying all the right things, uh, but it would not be okay. Like I would be a complete, I would be a complete wreck for maybe a really long time. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't even want to think about it. I want to talk about it. Like last week, last week, my dad's telling this story about having this heart attack. And I'm like, can we just not tell this? Cause this is messing me up right now. Hearing all the story that I've heard before, but I just, I just want that, that time to be done. So anyway, Courtney's like, knows I'm not, I'm not okay. Get, we're with my sisters and my mom. And I'm like thinking in my mind, I gotta be this strong dude. I gotta be the stabilizing force. And uh, I'm so not, I'm so not the stabilizing force right now. And I don't, I don't want people to, to try to help me because I need to be the one that's helping everybody else. And I'm scared, I'm scared because uh, I feel like, here's, here's how I would articulate it to you guys in this moment. I feel like that if I'm weak in front of these people, they will never, they will never see me as strong again. Like if I'm vulnerable right now emotionally, and if I go there in front of my mom and my sisters and my wife, then, then whenever they need me to be strong, they'll know that I don't have it in me because that's what I really feel like I am. Like, I feel like the fight is coming right now and I'm probably going to die. Like we watch these movies with these heroes and uh, it's like, you know, it's like the Spartans, the 300, they're coming, they're going to kill us all. And, the, and Leonidas is like, charge, let's go. I would be like in my mind going, I, guys, we're all going to die. It's over. <laughs> I'm so sorry that I've led you to this place. I... Please forgive me, you know, as the spears are going into our backs as we're running away. That's how I feel about myself. It would be like the worst story in history. So that's how I'm, that's how I'm feeling. That's how I'm feeling in this moment. That's how I'm feeling in this moment, in that, in that season of my life. And that's how I feel in a lot of seasons of my life, if I'm honest with myself. But there's a version of me that I feel like the world wants. There's a version of me that I feel like that I'm supposed to be. There's a version of me that, that, that is, is, not, is not that, though. The real me is not that way. So courage, like I have to, I have, to have courage to what? To, to be me. God says to Gideon, go with, go with the strength that you have. And I look at that story and I go, what strength? Like if God would have visited me in that moment with my dad and said, you are a mighty man of faith. I'd be like, like, have you seen me? <laughs> Like, God, you know my heart and you know how I feel and I have zero faith right now. I don't have a lot of hope. Like, I'm looking up, okay, like, how bad could it, put it possibly be? And let me, like, maybe you're this way. I'm going to just prepare for the worst. Sure, the whole hope for the best thing is out there 
and some people can do that. But I just need to prepare for the worst right now. So I don't have a lot of faith, whatever. And uh, so I'm, 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 fighting this, I'm fighting this battle internally in this moment, and I'm like really needing my family. And at the same time, just going, uh, they need me, I don't, I don't need them. So courage is, courage is not about, uh, I think in this season of my life, what I feel like God's showing me is courage is not about being some kind of way or being the strongest person in the room, being the, being the fighter. I mean, we all got to fight, but it's just about being the real where you're at, being real about where you're at. Because where you're at is just where you're at. You know what? Like we can play games. We can say all the right stuff. We can talk it. You know, you can, you can, we, we can play the Christian game. We can play the American whatever game and all that different kind of stuff. But where are we, where are we really in our life? So I saw, this, I saw this documentary this week that ESPN put out. It was a 30 for 30 on Dennis Rodman. And uh, we all know the worm. We all know Dennis. And he's, at the, he's, he's in his late, mid to late 50s, right? And he's, he's talking at the end of this documentary. Don't watch it. It's just the saddest thing ever. I don't know why they even did this story, honestly. It's like, wow. But so at the end of this, at the end of this movie, he's sitting there, all the piercings, the, the full-on, full character of Dennis Rodman. And he says to the camera, he's like, this, this Dennis Rodman that I am right now is not who I really am. He's talking about how he's lived a whole life being this person that he thought he was supposed to be. Not about acceptance, not about whatever, but here, here's, who, here's who I'm supposed to be. Here's who I'm supposed to be. And this person is sitting there thinking, and he's, he's communicating this way, that the, he doesn't know, and I, and I don't know how he said it in his words, but this is basically what he, what he said. I don't know how to be who I am anymore. I just know, to, know how to be this version of myself. But, while being, but being this version of myself, I feel so inauthentic with who I really am, but I don't know how to get back to who I am. Some of us, it doesn't matter how old you are in this room, it doesn't matter where you're at, with God, whatever, but you might be in a place right now where you said, I'm not blank enough for so long. You've created this character, this narrative, that, that this character that you play is not even the real you. And so I wanna invite us into uh, uncertainty and risk because that's what God did to Gideon in this story. As he said, you're weak, but you're a mighty man. Like you're weak, but I'm gonna, but I'm gonna use you. But what we have to do in order to do that is we have to let go of who we think we should be and we, should, we need to be who we are. Okay, so uh, why would God give me Josh for a son. Because I'm not passive. You see, when you, when you observe in our family, you're our family of choice. One of the reasons I wanted to have Josh with me is because one of my greatest challenges as a father was to not make him feel like that he had to be like me, but I needed to be me. Like I don't like to fight, but I will fight. 
I'm not going to run from a fight. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, I don't like it, but I'm not going to run. What you just heard him say, there's fight people and there's flight people. And his natural default is to flight. My natural default is to fight, but that does not make me stronger than him. It's just my natural default. So here's what you need to understand. No matter how strong you see yourself, at some point in your life, you will come to the end of yourself. And that's what God wants for each one of us. You see, there's a whole world out there, and some of you are, we're all in that world. But you think you're strong because you got money. You think you're strong because maybe your life looks good right now. In my case, you think you're strong because every day of your life you've trained. I've trained, I've taken care of my body, I've eaten right, and I'm the guy that had the heart attack. So it's like, what in the world? That is not supposed to happen. But you see, the truth is, it doesn't matter what your strength is or it doesn't matter what your weakness is. Your strength can become your weakness and God says, I want you to know that your weakness is what qualifies you for my strength. So whether it's something you caused or something else. Now, Josh is gonna make a point about that, but I wanted to pause a minute because here's what I wanted to say. Why would God give me a son like him? Why would God give him a dad like me? Not to try to make him in my image, but that so both of us with our uniqueness of who we are can be in the image of who he is and we can draw from each other's strengths and learn from each other's weaknesses. That's why. So today, again, for the second week in a row, I wanted to sit, not my butt down, but I wanted to sit my strength down and say, okay, God, I know where I'm strong, but I also know in my weakness, I need your strength. Like, I, that's the real me. Like, I'm not, listen, as a person, I'm not a weak person. I'm a strong person. I don't try to project strength. I am strong. I've worked on being strong, because guess what? I don't want to be weak. So every man who works hard, every man, listen, God, God wants you to know that no matter how strong you are, that in your weakness, that's what qualifies you for his strength. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. What does that mean? I don't even like that verse. <laughs> it's like poor. If poor's in any sentence, I don't want to be poor. But here's the bottom line. He became rich so that we might be rich. Not just financially, but look at this. That we would know that at our best, without him, we are at our worst in him. So when I yield my, what I think is my strength. So again, you can flip on Instagram or any social digital, you can see all these guys. You can see alpha males and alpha females projecting. Here's how I roll, showing you their car, showing you their whatever, showing you their strength. And you know what they're saying? I don't want to be poor because I don't want to be weak. But I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how many cars you have. I don't care what kind of house you have. I don't care what kind of position you have. We are all level on the playing field. Mano y mano, we need his strength in our life. And that's what Gideon figured out, Josh. That's what he figured out. So I've never, listen, 
I've never projected on you as a father that you're a weak person. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying, I, maybe it's the wrong way to say because it, it sounds like I'm bragging myself. I'm not, but I'm just saying I worked very hard to not make yeah. you feel like that because you weren't like me, that you were less than me. Yeah. Well, we've never, yeah, we've never had those conversations, but it's not that you even need to, right? Because, because being, being vulnerable is like risk. It's a huge risk. Because we know how we respond to people being vulnerable. And the way we respond to people's vulnerability is usually judgment. So what I mean by that is you might have seen this this week, and I'll use this as an example. Um, Bill Maher got up, and regardless of your opinion on, on Bill Maher, he got up and he talked about how fat shaming needs to make a comeback because we have an obesity epidemic in America. And, um, and people in their most, people know how they are. And so why in, the, why in the world, right, would we create environments or we make someone feel ashamed of themselves when they're at their most vulnerable. People know how they are. Like, I know how I look physically, just like everyone in this room does. You're aware of that. And it's one of our, no matter how you look right now, no matter where you're at, it's, a, it's an area of vulnerability and insecurity for all of us, right? Our, our physical appearance. And so why would we need shame to make, to make a comeback? Why would we, because shame, here's, what, here's the difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is, I'm ashamed of what I've done. Shame is I'm ashamed of who I am. So let me, so, let me, yeah, let, so let me, let me just interject this, son. Here's the problem. And there, the reason I wanted Josh to be by my side is because we are absolutely opposite. And from a distance, you can judge me one way and you can judge him one way and you can think he's better than me or if, depending on if you're more like me, you think, well, I like more the way you are than I like the way he is. But I'm gonna tell you something. In God's economy, and I happen to be his father. I'm privileged to be his father. But in God's economy, we're both God's sons. So I can't, based on either my strength nor my weakness, judge his strength or his weakness as wrong or less than me. And that's why the Bible says, judge not. Don't judge. Don't be negative about other people. Why? Because when you judge somebody, somebody might judge me as arrogant and Josh is humble. But the truth is, is that sometimes insecurity is the highest form of pride because you don't want to be seen a certain way. And so you project certain things. So it's the same. It's the same. It's, it's, it's different, but it's the same coin. So here's, what I'm, here's my challenge to you as the spiritual father of this house. Let's be a tribe where we don't size people up based on them being better than us or worse than us because of their personality or their preference. Or their preference. It's part of what's wrong with the world. So let me, let me explain to you one of our differences. This, this will give you some insight. We're down in Florida together and I like cars. It's my preference. I just like them. My dad didn't care about cars. My dad worked on cars. My dad, I remember the first time I got a sports car, my dad said, you needed that like you needed another hole in your head. I said, well, aren't you glad you didn't pay for it? I said, because it's my car and that's what I like. He goes, okay, I get it, I get it, okay. Because so, he doesn't care about that. So he would never spend the money on that. 
Okay. But then here's a whole nother thing. That's my own dad. Here's another thing. So Josh, we're riding along. I got this Jeep. I mean, it's a very, in my mind, I like it. Like, it's like, it's like, it's got some lime green on it. It's got big tires on it. That's me. Like that's, that's, that's me in my not all black. Okay. So, so we're riding along and Josh, and Josh goes, do you, do you just like to be looked at? And I said, what in the world do you mean? What are you talking about? Like my thought was, what planet are you on? What do you mean do I like? We're driving along together having a good time. And he goes, do you like to be looked at? Because when we're in this Jeep, people got their cameras out of their car. If I stop for gas, man, that's the most awesome thing I've ever seen in my life. That's amazing. He goes, he goes see that person right there? They're past us. They got their, they got their camera out. You wouldn't have this Jeep if you didn't like to be looked at. So I'm not saying this to make my son look bad, but he's judging me for how he's not. And that's how a whole lot of people are. They judge people for how they're not and size them up for how they're not. So I said, let me just explain something to you, son. I said, I like this Jeep. That's why I have this Jeep. And if people like this Jeep and they want to take a picture of this Jeep, then go for it. But I did not buy the Jeep so people would take pictures of me. I did not buy this Jeep so people would ask me, man, where'd you get that Jeep? I bought the Jeep because I like the Jeep, son. So let me have my Jeep. Let me be me. Let me be happy, okay? Let me just do that. So, so this is an example. Listen very carefully now. This is an example of the kind of idiot things that separate all of us because I wouldn't wear that. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't talk like that. And we allow our differences, which are our strengths, to cause us to focus on what we perceive as another person's weakness. But that's my awareness of how I can be better by getting, getting to even be in Josh's presence. Do you know that my joy, y'all, listen, I'm sorry, but my joy is just to be around Josh, just to be in his presence as my son, just to get to be with him. It's not like what he does for me. It's like, I love being in his presence. So whether it's on this stage, whether it's in my Jeep that he thinks is freaky, whatever it is, it's like, hey, just let me be me. I'm gonna let you be you and let's change the world together, y'all. Come on, that's what I'm talking about. And so, sorry, son, continue. Yeah. So, we have a fear to be vulnerable yes. because of how we know that we respond to other people's vulnerability and how we've seen other people respond to ours. But I really want to invite you into risk, invite you into emotional risk, invite you into uncertainty, invite you into a little bit of fear and a little bit of anxiety inducing behavior because what people need is not the you that you think that they need. It's not the you that you pretend to be. It's not the you that you're supposed to be. What people need is just who you are. And, and so, so here's... And, and one more thing, yes, sir. And if you, see if you judge somebody as having a strength that you don't have, don't be jealous of it. 
Don't be critical of it. Be inspired by it. It doesn't matter. In other words, be inspired by people's differences. Not, not like, don't let that make your insecurity more insecure. Oh, their marriage is better than mine. Oh, their house is better than mine. This is what men do. This is what you see. I'm just telling you on social media all the time. It's my jet. This is how I'm rolling. Look what I'm achieving. Why? Because somehow they, they're, the deep, deep deal is I want to overcome being weak, being poor, and this is how you, this is how you roll. Yeah. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, here's what, here's what Paul says. So Paul in this story, before I read it to you, Paul in this story, he talks about he has this thorn in the flesh, and we don't know what he meant by that, but he just has this issue that he keeps asking God to remove from him. He has an area of weakness, and um, he prays to God, God, please get this out of my life. Like, I feel this, please get this out of my life. And Paul says, each time God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So Paul says, now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So for me as a, as a person, here's what I'm working on. I'm working on understanding that how strong I am doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter how weak I feel, doesn't matter how strong I feel like I am. That, that doesn't matter to God. Doesn't matter to me in this season of my life. Me talking about being passive or whatever, that might give, you know, here's the risk you run as a leader, saying stuff like that, is you give people ammunition to not respect you. And you give people ammunition to judge you, which is ultimately, which is ultimately fine because here's what I know between me and God that I believe God shows us through his word and through this story of life that we're living is that God's strength equals our weakness. So the strength that we have is not in the strengths that we have as character. It's not in the gifts and talents and abilities that we lean into so much. It's not in our health, it's not in our physical body, it's not in all of these different things. The strength that we have is when we are able to boast in our weakness and know, you know, here's the thing, it's all about God anyway. Like this whole- Any strength I have, any strength we have is all about God. So go back to that last slide, son. So here's what I, here's what I don't want you to misunderstand. Listen very carefully. I'm gonna put two things in context here. Number one, it, how strong I am doesn't matter. Listen very carefully. How rich I am doesn't matter. But listen very carefully to what I'm going to tell you. It's not wrong to want to be stronger. It's not wrong to want to be richer. But in God, here's what you need to realize. It's not a measuring stick. God says, so no matter how strong you are or, no, or, or weak you are, no matter how rich you are or poor you are, you still need me. You still need me. So I don't want you to misunderstand what Josh is saying, not that you would, but it's not like, well, okay, it doesn't matter, so we can just case sera, sera, whatever will be, will be, Doris Day all the way back to 1963. But, 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 but listen, God has given you certain gifts and talents and abilities and strengths. There are, there are some natural defaults that you have that could be in the weakness category. Either or need to come under the rulership, the lordship of Jesus Christ. So I'm gonna ask Josh a question and you can take this wherever you want, but I wanna ask you a question in this moment. 
in our family, in our relationship, what's been one of my biggest weaknesses? Uh, your, your intensity level. All right, so let me excuse myself for a minute. Because that's what we do, right? Like what we do is like we excuse our weakness and think, well, either that's just the way I am or then that goes to I'm not enough. Or we say what I've said, and that is my strength is my passion. But when my strength becomes a weakness is when that passion becomes intense and it creates distance and dissonance between us rather than resonance and closeness. That's what we have to navigate because in my, in the thing that I have apologized to Josh for, his mother precious for, my daughters for, is when my, in, is when my uh, perception of my strength, which is passion, becomes intense. And I, a few years ago, I finally got it, buddy. Here's what I got. And again, this is a marriage deal too, because it's a life deal. I realized that my passion, which I perceive as my strength, becomes a weakness when I get intense because when that happens, what happens between my passion and my intensity? Fear. So the root of my strength, my perceived strength, becoming a weakness, and, and by the way, that's what meekness is. Blessed are the meek, for they should be called the children of God. I mean, I mean it's, like, it's like the meekness piece is strength that is that is under authority, okay? So I've, I've had to deal, I mean, I don't see myself as a fearful person, but every time I go intense, guess what? It's always birthed out of fear. It's like when Josh would, Josh fell, like there's a little place on Josh's head right there. Yeah, probably in between. And that's, actually there's two places, because <laughs> Josh would fall all the time. And we had this diff, these different levels of houses, and he would fall and invariably, this one time, he fell and hit his head against some ceramic steps. And I mean, it looked, I could see his skull. And I'm like, talk about a wreck. I'm like crying, we're going to the hospital. Sheila's back there, got a sucker in his mouth. He's smiling, I'm crying. I'm like fighting with God. I'm going, God, listen, here's the deal. Like I'm gonna travel for you, 40 plus weeks a year. I was on the road all the time. Like I've, I've lived for you my whole life, but I gotta have you take care of them. Like, like I can't control that. So, but I'm, listen, I'm even praying intensely out of my fear. So anyway, continue so, on son. Yes, sir. So in the words of Jesus, here's, 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 here's why all of this is, is so important. It's not about just being a weak person going, oh, I'm just weak. Jesus, Jesus tells his disciples some really scary stuff in John chapter 16. And then he says, I've told you all of this so you might have peace in me. Here on earth you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And I want to put that term take heart in context because take heart means to be who you are. Just be who you are. Like be the best, be the best you that you can be. Last week you heard Pastor Keith, if you were here, share on what success is. Like success is struggling well. Yay. <laughs> right? It's, it's like, it's like I'm going to, it is going to be hard. People are going to judge you. 
people are going to misunderstand you. People are going to take it the wrong way. People are going to use it as a reason for you to be disqualified. But here's, here's the thing that Jesus says to us. Here's the thing that the story of Gideon shows us. A person didn't show up to Gideon and say, hey, I'm calling you into the battle and I need you to be all these ways. And sometimes we feel like it is other people that will qualify us. And so we have to be a certain way that other people would want us or need us to be. That is not the way that it works. Jesus said, take art for I have overcome the world. The thing about Gideon and God is that being not enough is the whole point. God says, what does God say to Gideon? Go with the strength that you have. Go with the strength that you have. What strength, what strength do you have? The strength you have, according to Paul, it's just weakness. I'm going to boast in my weakness. Because here's the thing with people. People are not the determiners of our destiny, right? We teach our kids that. We teach other people that, but then we live in such a way as if everything about what's next for us is up to somebody else. Go with, go with the strength that you have. Go with who you are. Just be who you are. Be a great, be a great version of that. And here's why a great, being a great version of that matters, because you're still called to the battle. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like God, God said to Gideon, God didn't go to Gideon and go, okay, like you really suck. And so I'm going to choose someone else to lead the army. God's like, Gideon, I get your weakness. This is what God says to us today. I get your weakness. I get it. Okay. That's not an excuse to not go to battle though. Cause you're still called to the battle. That's not an excuse to blow up your marriage. That's not an excuse to mess your kids up with your dysfunctional, with your dysfunction. I get the weakness piece. This is what God says to us. I get the weakness piece, but I really need you to lean into me because you got to fight. Like you got to fight for your family. You got to fight for this nation and I've chosen you. So you don't get to unchoose yourself now. You don't get to look at yourself and go, well, God, I'm disqualified from what you're asking me out into. God just says, to Gideon and to us, you're the guy, you're the girl, you're it, you're it. No one else, no one else is going to make your marriage work. No one else is going to make your, your kids healthy. And so many of us live life and we disqualify ourselves and we live our lives for so many reasons saying, I'm not enough. I'm weak. I'm whatever. This is why my life is a mess. Blah, blah, blah. And here's what God says. I get all that. I understand that. But can we get past that? Because we got to get in this. We got to get in the game here. We got to get in this battle. I've still, even though all of you is who you are, I've still chosen you for this family. I've chosen you for this time in history. I've chosen you for these kids that you have. And you do not have the choice to lean into your weakness. So we can read this story and we can say, hey, it's cool. God wants us to suck. That's not the way that he, that's not what he's saying. What God says is I get it. Like human beings are human beings, but let's lean into him. Let's go. God, I know that you're going to be faithful. God, I know you're going to be for me. God, I'm going to give my life my very best. I am who I am. I am who I am as a person. I did not create myself. I can grow. I can develop, but I have defaults as a person. I'm not, I'm, I'm not an intense guy. I'm chill. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to work. I don't want to talk today. I don't want to do any of that stuff. I don't want to be in leadership of a church. I don't want any of that. I want zero of that as a person. I'm not asking for this, but God's asking for it. And so God, God says to me, and I'm just, I'm just using my story 
at 32 years of age, and I, and I hope you can see this. God says to me, this is what I'm gracing you for. You might not be good at it. You might not have it in you. You might not have all that figured out, but you know what? I've called you to the battle, man, so I need you to show up because I'm for you, I'm not against you, I'm gonna use the strength, but I'm also gonna use the weakness, and I just need you to step up and say I'm in the fight, let's go, let's go, let's go. We're just, we're just about done, but your, your kids need you. Like this is not, I want, I want, I hope that everybody walks away today and this is not permission to be dysfunctional. This is not permission to be weak. This is permission to have weakness. This is permission to be vulnerable and to be real. But here's the thing about vulnerability. You also got to work on it. When you throw yourself out there and you start risking yourself, the real you has to get a whole lot better. And the world needs that. Your kids need that. Your marriage needs that. Your future needs that. Your business needs that. And God is sitting there and the angel of the Lord is in front of us. And he's saying, you know what? There's only going to be 300. And so I need you 300 to show up. And I need you all to be ready. And I need you to bring your very best. And I need you to bring your very worst because that's the thing that I'm going to use. And I, wanna, and I wanna pray for us right now. So I want everyone just in, in this room or whatever, if you're watching, I just want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes with me because my, my part is done. For real, I'm, I'm talked out. <laughs> but here's, here's the thing, here's the main thing. The main thing is we need God so much. You might, you might be this person in here, you're afraid of being disqualified with God. Like you don't have any context for a relationship with him. And you think that God looks at you and he judges you for your weakness that he created you with. We cannot disqualify ourselves with God. Grace is, a, grace is just a gift that God gives us because he loves us. So God chose you. There's not one person who's ever lived or ever will live that God did not create and God does not love. And so we look at ourselves, here's, here's what we live with in a, in a context. And I just want you to not, not just hear the words I'm saying, but hopefully you can hear me in your heart. We live in this context of Christianity in America where we feel like the words of people have become the words of God for us. And because a Christian judged me or because I lived in this culture and this is what these people said, I'm unqualified to be a part of this family. And God says, I can't help you like not be a part of the family because I've already created you to be a part of the family. So you can act like you're not in the family, but at the end of the day, the family will still call you. The Bible tells us that God stands at the door of our heart and he knocks and he says, hey, let's do life together. I love you. I created you. I'm for you. My grace is enough. My grace is enough. My grace is enough. My power is made perfect in your weakness. So if you're struggling, so awesome. I can work with that. So if you're here with every head bowed and every eye closed and you just know whatever it means, you don't have a right relationship with God right now. Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life. You're not following him. You know that about yourself and you want his grace in your life. You want his strength to enter your world. If that's you, we really wanna give you an opportunity right now to just get yourself in the right place, to boast in your weakness and to move forward in your journey. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I want, I want you to count me in this prayer. I want to pray this prayer along with you to get this thing started right now, to answer the call to go into battle. You can put your hands down. And I want everyone that can hear my voice and I just, I just want you to pray this prayer and repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, 
Come into my heart. Forgive me. Forgive me. Wash me. Wash me. Make me new. Make me new. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. It's made perfect. It's made perfect. In the midst of my humanity. In the midst of my humanity. I pray that right now. I pray that right now. You would lead me. Guide me. Help me to be the real me. And I thank you that you're going to use that to change the world. In your name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.